Welcome to the fourth episode of This Week in the Metaverse. It's Matthew here with Yellen, and we're here to break down three key items that we found newsworthy in regards to shaping the future development of the metaverse, and broadly topics on which we feel we can add a unique perspective given our backgrounds and expertise. The three topics we're going to cover this week are, first, from VentureBeat, Sky Mavis unveils the first UGC games for Axie Infinity. Second, Animoca Brands announced their fourth quarter 21 and the first four months of 2022 results, so we'll dive into that. And then lastly, this is quite interesting, you know, because it, it takes us back to our conversation with Mark Petit from season one, but Gala Games, uh, their Grit uh, Battle Royale game will be the first Web3 game on the Epic Game Store, and that's from Gala themselves. So quite some interesting topics to dive into. Before we do, we have a short announcement from our friends over at Roundhill Investments. This podcast is brought to you by Roundhill Investments, the advisor to the Roundhill Ball Metaverse ETF. The Roundhill Ball Metaverse ETF, which trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol METV, is the largest dedicated metaverse fund in the United States. The ETF tracks an index developed by Ball Metaverse Research Partners, a metaverse-focused indexing and research company headed by industry expert Matthew Ball. For a prospectus and more information, please visit roundhillinvestments.com ETF METV. Read carefully. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Investors should consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. Distributor Foresight Fund Services, LLC. Friends over at Roundhill Investments. Okay, so diving right into it, Yon, and kicking off the good stuff. We'll go first to Sky Mavis and Axie Infinity. So Sky Mavis has unveiled the first games accepted through its UGC Builders Program, according to VentureBeat. And as the article says, the Builders Program serves as a laboratory for community-created games and experiences. As the list of Axie-related games expands, Axie NFTs will turn into tickets that can be used as universal sign-in to an expanding world of experiences. I think it's important to note that this is entirely separate from the work they're doing with professional game developers to build games on the Ronin blockchain. This, so, you know, just when, when you're thinking about this, this isn't part of their professional game development uh, aspirations. This is, this is really focused on community building. Um, VentureBeat noted that they had got they got over 2,000 applications, which is quite a lot actually, uh, for the builders program, and they accepted 12. So Yon, you know, I'll put it to you, and then we can kind of spitball. But what do you make of this? How does this fit into Sky Mavis's growth trajectory and their broader metaverse strategy? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of their. I think it's interesting. Let's start with that, and it's almost like it's their UGC play in a way, right? They want to bring community members and I know they've made it exclusive to, you know, about 12 teams that got accepted. But I think what's important is that all the other people who are not accepted are can still build on top of the Axie Infinity ecosystem as long as they abide by the sort of uh, terms and conditions and brand guidelines and so on and so forth. So obviously there's an interesting play. I, it almost feels like taking a bit from the playbook of Riot Games with Riot Forge and what Riot has been doing on top of League of Legends. I think it's a must-have for Axie because at the moment, it is clear that their core play-to-earn game of Axie has really resonated with a a certain population of, of gamers, right? People who are mostly coming from emerging markets who look at playing Axie as a way to earn income that is higher than what they would do with a quote-unquote traditional job in their economies. And so I think alongside the UGC play and what you've mentioned, that they are unrelated to the Builders program, they also work with established developers and indie studios and so on and so forth. 
it seems like they are trying to, they're putting different bets on where the growth and the diversification of the ecosystem around Axie can come into life. And I think there's another layer, which is they are integrating the developers, either the professional or these um, more like hobbyist or, or individual UGC creators. It's also integrated into another very important piece of Axie's ecosystem or, or Sky Mavis, which is the, the Mavis hub for all the game. And then there is also the Ronin blockchain which all the games are running on on that blockchain and so and so i think they're really spending time and and effort and capital in putting multiple bets that would really inject life and activity into their ecosystem if it's the chain or the mavis hub um ultimately bringing more diverse audiences into Axie's ecosystem, because I think that's kind of the biggest risk that Axie Infinity has, um, is, is the fact that it's, it's, it's a very niche use case. Um, and I don't want to get too bogged down into the details of, of that discussion, but I think there's a lot of people who believe play to earn is the next, it's the, the next mobile free to play. And I, I never bought into that. I, I don't think that's a real possibility. I, I subscribe to a worldview where majority of the people who play games still want to play for fun, not to make a living. Um, it's entertainment. It's almost like people are going to change their job and go make movies because they want to make movies. Like playing games is fun, is entertaining, it's inspiration, it's, a, it's an opportunity to give you a different type of reality. And so, again, going back to what, what I mentioned earlier, I think it's incredibly strategic for Sky Mavis as a company to ensure that the core play-to-earn game of Axie Infinity um, becomes a smaller portion of their ecosystem. And I think that's why we're seeing all of these different multiple bets. Is the builder's program going to move the needle? I don't know. Um, definitely not economically, uh, but it's all part of the different bets they need to make to build and expand and ultimately reach more, more hearts and minds around the world. I agree. And I think, you know, it also harkens to something we've talked a lot about, which is the whole concept of building IP um, with NFTs in the metaverse. And it's something that stay tuned for our next episode of Into the Metaverse. We went deep into the creative side of creating IPs and NFTs. That's that's the teaser I'll give. But, you know, it, it, you know, for them, right, you know, for, for these axes to really have value and utility beyond one game, they need to build it out. We're seeing Yuga Labs doing the same thing, right? They're building out uh, at least they said they're going to build out games in, in a metaverse platform of some sort um, for those PFP NFTs, you know, for these things to really have value and to, you know, yes, you can buy and sell them, whatever, but, you know, they don't have value unless they're actually usable in other stuff beyond the one thing. And so, you know, building out the, the ecosystem and the universe around the, what they've already built, um, a lot of these companies raised a lot of money in the last several months and over the last year or so those valuations don't make sense unless they can execute on this. And and I agree with you, you know, in terms of the money, the UGC part isn't as big as what they're doing with professional developers, but I think it's still important for community building, um, you know, keeping people engaged, you know, the, these, com these, these community builders also tend to be, um, you know, very active on like Twitch and discord and things like that. That's, that's not unique to Axie. That's, that's, you see that on Roblox, you see that on, on Fortnite everywhere. Right. So, um, you know, they also tend to build communities around themselves. And so, you get those those social viral loops that we talked about with Craig Donato in season one and how that's been so good for Roblox, you know, that's how you build that. And so for them, 
you know, they, they know that they had a hit, a flash in the pan, a hit, but how can they sustain rather than just fade away like so many do? And this is a big part of doing that. And, and one more thing is that I think it's if you look if we look at some of the details of the builders program, I mean there, there's a lot there's a lot for them to to prove, um, but you're looking at a at a, at a grant of ten thousand dollar in grants for each of these projects, which is, I mean, it, it it's negligible, right? And so it makes you wonder where what it, what what is that purpose? How much scale they really want to drive here? Um, and so you know I think the jury is still out and. And also the jury is still out in terms of what exactly those more serious project with, as, as they kind of describe it, um, uh, most exciting game makers in the world from indie to AAA studios. Uh, I think it's re I'm really curious to see what does that entail? What type of games are going to be built inside the um, Axie Infinity ecosystem? Or is it broadly more in the Sky Mavis world? Um, and so, but, but look, it's great that they're making these bets. It's great that they're putting money into the community and, and inspiring more game creators. Um, we obviously know that this is a massive trend for the near term, anywhere from what Roblox is doing to Rec Room, to VRChat, to Core. Uh, Epic is now investing in integrating the Unreal Engine into Fortnite creative mode, um, you know, dubbed uh, 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 UEFN. And so there's, there's a bunch of companies out there. And so uh, Axie is well-funded and they are in a, definitely in a position to experiment. And I think, you know, maybe this is not the big thing that they're going to do, uh, but it's nonetheless an initiative that I think it's worth keeping an eye on. I would also just add to wrap it up and then we can move on to the next topic is, you know, it's also kind of a race to building critical mass around specific blockchains, you know, we, in, in, in the gaming platform, virtual world, you know, mm -hmm. proto metaverse gaming platform space, right? You know, we talked about Ronin for them. We, when we spoke with Saro from Alien Worlds, she talked about Wax. I know several people developing on Wax. And if you actually look at the tokens, that one's held up a lot better than most in terms of just the token price because there's a lot of momentum there. Um, you know, we talked, we talked with Ryan Wyatt from Polygon about what they're doing and trying to onboard game developers. So, you know, it is, it's, 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 it, there's the Axie Infinity IP part of it. And as you said, as we talked about, and then there's the, the blockchain also, you know, getting to scale as quickly as possible. You know, HTML became a standard in the internet because it scaled fastest, right? And so it's like, who can, who can become the HTML and really standardize, you know, it's, Wax is kind of getting there and they're interoperable with a lot of other blockchains. So that, that puts them in a good position, but, you know, can Ronin be, be there with them? That, that's, that's a big question for, for the growth of, of Sky Mavis as a whole. So moving on to our next topic, uh, you know, this is kind of in my wheelhouse in the financial realm, but Animoca Brands announced some of their preliminary uh, financial results. So that's the parent company of the Sandbox, for those who don't know them, but they have lots of different brands, you know, whether it's uh, NFT games, you know, these decentralized platforms like the Sandbox, it's all under the Animoca umbrella. So they reported on audited preliminary financial results for the fourth quarter of 2021 and then the first four months of 2022. They said that bookings and other income reached almost $150 million in the fourth quarter and then jumped to $573 million in the four months through April 2022. It's worth noting that that bookings number that they report includes token sales and NFT sales, which even includes the revenue from secondary market sales. So it, it, it's very variable and inflated by the timing of certain mints. Remember, they, they participated in the other side mint with Yuga Labs in, in, you know, earlier this year. So that, that inflates that number a lot. Um, I think more importantly, if you just dig into some of their balance sheet items, they reported portfolio investments of $1.5 billion. Um, they had about $100 million of cash, and they had about $200 million of digital investments. And then they also claim to have $4.2 billion of reserves of their own tokens, but that's kind of 
you know, wishy-washy. You know, that's kind of like the U.S. Treasury saying that they have cash. You know, they can print as much as they want. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then other notable items, you know, that I mentioned the Mint of Other Side with Yuga Labs. They also launched the ApeCoin in early 22, uh, 2022. So there's a lot of activity around there. Um, you know, Yon, I'll pass it to you. What do you think about these numbers? What, what stands out to you? You know, what stands out to me is the the scale of their holding in in of nfts and also uh tokens that they hold i mean we're it's it's, it's pretty incredible value um to hold it at such a relatively early stage i mean i know they've been around but it's still something that only became a phenomena over the last you know two to three years um another thing that um you know i, I and and as we know the this is a very nascent space and what's interesting and i had a conversation with with a, a venture capital investor uh, earlier this week about about this but no one really knows how these tokens are going to actually play out right what what does it mean to be a token based company what does an ipo looks like can you even do an ipo can you be acquired by a company uh and so i think it's 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 incredibly impressive to see what animoca has established and their acceleration over the last two years and i think the numbers are pretty pretty impressive for a company at this at this stage they're almost like kind of the the gorilla in the space which brings me to the other point which is it's such a nascent space and i i'm just wondering with so very few users at the moment in game three um i'm curious to see how the fact that they are an investor and a shareholder in really dozens of dozens of companies in a in the same space, which is you know crypto gaming or blockchain gaming or gaming or you know Web three. Um, I'm just curious to see how this is going to play out, and only time will tell if the strategy you know makes sense. And then they have other things that they're doing beyond investment. They also partner with with organization like they have with Yuga Labs to help Yuga Labs with their ApeCoin and the DAO and also help them with the other side, their own kind of metaverse play. And so there's just a lot going on, which on the one hand is incredibly impressive. I mean, I'm just witnessing it as a as a company builder and I'm like, this is incredible. Um, and which is why one of the reasons, you know, Matthew, you and I really want to bring Yap, the executive chairman of Animoca, to be a guest on our podcast. And I'm sure we will. Uh, but on the other hand, there's just so many things in, in that very niche very nascent, sorry, not niche, very nascent space of blockchain gaming and, and NFT gaming. Um, and I'm curious to see what, how this is going to play out and what the financial results looks like in, you know, two to three years. So just uh, a little bit of historical context for people who don't know, actually, Animoca used to be publicly traded in Australia. Uh, and they got delisted when they pivoted to crypto because of they they failed to meet reporting requirements and whatnot because at the time, crypto business reporting requirements weren't necessarily standardized and lots of financial mumbo jumbo. Suffice to say, they're now a private company. They went private and delisted. Um, I look at this company as an investment company at this point. They really are just like an umbrella investment company for lots of these different blockchain brands, including metaverse platforms. Um, you know, they, they're also like an incubator of technology, it seems like, you know, as you mentioned, they're working with Yuga Labs on the other side project and things like that. So, so clearly they have their, their toes in a lot of baskets. Um, the one thing that stood out to me though, and, and maybe I'm just reading too much into it, you know, a hundred million dollars of cash, just given how acquisitive they've been and how much they burn money, that's not a huge buffer like that. You know, they, they, you know, they've done 
10 million plus deals very frequently M&A and you obviously always want to have a cash buffer on top of that and you know when they say cash we don't actually know what's in cash like that could be you know stable coins which you know that that we don't know how stable they are right now I mean I think some of them are more than others but that's a whole nother debate but regardless like um, you know it opens up the possibility they're gonna raise more money soon because that's not a huge buffer and, and so I mean maybe they're out there raising money right now I don't know but you know I, I think I think it's looking just based on the balance sheet it, lo it looks like the time for them to be raising more money given how how much they're investing in their own platforms how they're investing in acquisitions how they're investing in technology uh, you know it, it seems like that that you know they have some runway but not a ton there yeah, and you know, I mean, we we live in a landscape at the moment where a, a, a fir an incredible firm like you know Tiger Global is down, you know, fifty fifty two percent in in value, um, and and have pursued a very aggressive strategy of private investments over the last two years, and I think we're seeing that also with Animoca, and I wonder at what point this, and I'm 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 not suggesting that that's formally their strategy, but this kind of spray and pray this across the board investment in so many projects in in such a nascent yet emerging space um i'm i'm, I'm really wondering given the economic uh, uncertainty in the markets at the moment how much can they continue and raise millions of millions of millions of dollars more before you know really showing certain uh successes obviously the sandbox which is i think they refer to it as a subsidiary even though in and of itself, it's a venture-backed business. So I, I don't know how much ownership um, Animoca has in the Sandbox, but obviously Sandbox is, is, is a major uh, holding that Animoca has and, and continues to grow and have more uh, presence in the market and more brand deals and so on and so forth. But um, I think you, to your point, um, to be seen how scalable this model uh, of Animoca as an investment firm especially in light of the uncertainty of the macro environment. Uh, but nonetheless, they are an investor in, in some of the most promising projects in, in, in Web3, which is a testament to their uh, not only being so early in the market, but also uh, their ability to execute across multiple fronts and, and most, multiple ver verticals in Web3 at the same time. I mean, we, we've seen it in like the traditional gaming market, right? We, if you look at like the the aggregators, like Embracer, Stillfront, you know, Global 7, they're all traded in Europe. I mean, those are fantastic growth stories until they run out of things to buy. <laughs> and, then, and then they run out of things to buy and there's no organic growth because they can't grow organically. Now, I think that what Animoca is doing is a much more nascent business stage, as you said. So there's a lot of organic growth ahead of them. This isn't like the mobile games market, which is largely saturated and you just have to keep buying stuff. But so, but still, you know, it, it's a very tough model to keep going unless you can find organic growth. And so that, 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 that's going to be difficult for them. Um, you know, if they lose one of the growth levers, if they lose the ability to acquire because the market's gotten a little tumultuous, then it's just going to be the onus is more on the organic side to grow, which I think, again, there's still a lot of runway, but it's always nice when you have, you know, two pedals driving growth and not just one. Indeed. And cool. So with that, we're going to switch to our last topic for today, which, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, you know, this kind of harkens back to our conversation we had in season one with Mark Petit from Epic Games. But Gala Games has announced that Grit, their Battle Royale, their Cowboy Western Battle Royale game, will be the first Web3 game to launch in the Epic Games Store, bringing it to a combined total of more than 200 million players across the Epic Games Store and Gala networks. Um, you know, when, when we talked with Mark Petit in season one, you know, we asked him about their view on Web3 games and blockchain and crypto. And you know, their stance on it, and he talked, this was Tim Sweeney, and he kind of relayed, you know, the view of the whole company is that um, it's not their position to regulate and be deterministic about which technology is the best, 
you know, in terms of gaming technology, you know, they just want to have a distribution channel. I mean, that was at the time that Steam was out there, you know, saying we don't want blockchain games on Steam. So, you know, clearly they were kind of, you know, they weren't taking a, a line in the sand, but they were kind of just saying, look, we're not going to be deterministic about this. You know, we're going to look at the actual product and see if it fits the storefront. Um, you know, we've also talked about easing the on-ramps to Web3 and making these games and experiences more approachable to the average gamer and consumer because, you know, right now getting into crypto games, you know, Web3 proto-metaverse platforms, it requires syncing a wallet and having different coins and da, 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 da. And, you know, for, for crypto natives, that is something that's normal for the average consumer that's way too complex. And so I'm also curious to see what this looks like in terms of the onboarding process from the Epic Game Store perspective, because, if, you know, I, if, if they can really streamline that process and if they have a better way to onboard people than sync up your wallet, go buy six of our different tokens, and then you can, and then each of those tokens is a different thing, I think they might have something real. I think it's, first of all, for context, for, for our listeners, Gala Games was founded by one of the, one of the co-founders of Zynga, and, and he has been one of the early trailblazers of, of gaming, you know, in Web3 and crypto um, with Gala Games, which is essentially a, also, they have a token and it's a network of games that they, you know, build within their ecosystem. And, and I think also inviting other developers to build in their ecosystem. I think it's super interesting for um, one particular reason that I have in mind, which is Epic Games and, and Fortnite. I mean, it's 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 one of those beacons of mainstream gaming, right? With the Epic Store um, growing in importance, and on the other hand, you have Gala Games, which is you know a Web three blockchain gaming organization. Um, we're still at that very nascent stage where there isn't really a merge and a bridge mentally, philosophically, um, and even functionally between, you know, quote unquote, traditional gaming, if it's AAA or mobile, and between blockchain. And here we have this piece of news where a major Web3 company, gaming company, is going to release a essentially AAA game on the Epic Store with Epic being, you know, such a phenomenal institution in, in, in the world of mainstream gaming. And so I'm really curious to see, of course, I'm, um, I'm intrigued by the fact that this is happening. I think it's great, even if it's not successful, just the fact that it's happening and we're starting to see these bridges coming together. And the fact that Epic is is doing a formal partnership and bringing a Web3, quote unquote, game into the Epic Store, I think it's fantastic. It's fantastic for the space. It's great to see experimentation. And to be honest, you know, kudos for the Epic Games team for, you know, being open and interested in pursuing this experimentation. However, I am really curious to see what does that actually mean for users? And are we going to see this as a gateway potentially for, quote unquote, normal gamers coming into Web3? Um, and are we going to see Web3 gamers who are mostly enchanted by, you know, acquiring tokens and, and play to earn and owning your assets and flipping NFTs? Are we going to see that evolving into a new type of uh, hybrid gamer that is really feeling intrigued and comfortable in playing games that are at the intersection of the world we have today and the world that we might have in the future. And so to me, this is a huge experiment which will really shed a light on the possibilities of integrations between, you know, for lack of a better description, Web 2 and Web 3 entities. 
Um, and I hope it's going to be successful because I think it's going to be important for the space and for more experimentation to happen in the future. And so I'm rooting for this, for the project, I'm rooting for the partnership, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting eagerly to, you know, to play and see. And most importantly, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how the community and, and the audience is responding. And I think hopefully there's going to be a successful game and not less important, a successful sort of PR uh, from the community that really encourages more collaboration of that nature and more Web3 gaming uh, getting closer to integrate with, with mainstream entities, if it's Epic and Roblox and, and, and Unity and, and, and other platforms. Yeah, we saw Roblox talking about, you know, NFTs as a promising way to, you know, bridge interoperability on their last earnings call. You know, that kind of came out of nowhere because for a long time they were saying interoperability is cool, but we have so many things to tackle first that that's like down the list and now they're there. So that's that was quite interesting to hear that change of pace. We talked about that with Mark Petit. You know, we talked about that with Mark Witten from, from Unity. You know, everyone's kind of on the interoperability train and everyone sees value in NFTs as a way to do that. Um, you know, but I, I still think that like for game makers, particularly, you know, there's kind of this existential crisis with NFTs because, because of the financialization of it and because of the way that we have these play to earn games, you know, the incentive is to make as much money as you can and get out. <laughs> and that's horrible for building a live service game economy where you're trying to have balance and trying to keep people in and keep people engaged when the entire motivation is eventually to exit before prices crater. And so, you know, we've, we've talked about this at length a lot, you know, we need to kind of walk ourselves back to for, away from the financialization of it and think about just ownership and think about having unique assets and what that does inside of a game, maybe being able to port those across games. Um, and, and, and I think there's value in that to the average gamer. But I think if it's, if it's this purely financial motivation, that's not going to attract the average gamer and we're never going to get the, you know, we're not going to go from the hundreds of thousands of daily active users to the hundreds of millions that we have in mobile games. Um, if, if that's, if that's the primary driver. Well said, well said, fully agree. Cool. And so with that, we'll wrap up this episode of this week in the metaverse. Again, this is episode four, stay tuned for, uh, we have a blog post coming out this weekend, looking at the EA, uh, M&A, uh, merger saga. And then we have another episode releasing next week on Tuesday, uh, looking again at the IP in, in the NFT metaverse world.